All right. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Mike. This is your captain speaking. Uh, and you are joining me. Yes, we got water here. Uh, on my ride to work, this is Driving Theology. I think uh, you guys who have been listening, supporting all these five, six, I guess going on seven years now. Yeah, so it's a rainy day here uh, in July. I believe today is July the... 11th. Oh, sorry, not even close. July 13th is the date today. And <clears throat> yeah, not much is going on. Well, actually, a lot's going on. <laughs> There's always something, right? In today's world news is just lickety split, uh, catapulted across uh, the uh, civilized universe quote-unquote civilized, but it's the most uncivilized news that seems to be all that civilized people want to talk about. So this week in Japan, uh, we had an assassination. I guess that's the best way to call it. Uh, it could just be a murder. Uh, you know, the difference between an assassination and a murder is um, up for debate, I suppose. Uh, but uh, the person killed was a former Prime Minister of Japan. Uh, he was the, I don't guess he was the last, but he may have been the last, I don't know. They kind of go back and forth and he's had a couple different terms that were not necessarily connected to the other ones. So it's kind of hard to always keep track of uh, Prime Ministers because they're just a little bit more fluid and at the same time uh, more transient <laughs> less permanent um, than American presidents but Abe was different he he uh, uh, Prime Minister Abe was uh, the longest tenured Prime Minister in the history of Japan uh, he had been uh, Prime Minister for over eight and a half years the system in Japan is, is very similar to the British system in that uh, a prime minister can be removed and replaced almost at any time. And there's not, it doesn't depend on an, an election cycle as much as, uh, I mean, it does depend on elections, but uh, there are other factors that, that mean a, a prime minister can, you know, uh, lose, lose power almost at any time, uh, whether it's... Uh, unrest within his own party or whether his party loses the majority uh, in the legislative branches government which is how the British party works so whoever's whoever wins the election in the legislative branches whoever has the majority gets to appoint the prime minister um, I almost think it should be the other way uh, just so that everybody's represented but anyway that's what a, a democracy is. It's it's uh, you know lead by the majority. There's no there there is no in a pure democracy. There is no responsibility for minorities in a pure democracy. So it's basically what happens um, in in 
the British and Japanese system is that uh, whichever party's in charge also gets to uh, appoint the prime minister and so Abe was that guy uh, I didn't dislike him he 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 uh, inherited some very difficult times I know he was you know as always he was blamed for a lot of uh, a lot of stuff throughout his tenure which is going to be the plight of all uh, leaders of countries but in general he had an honest face he, he seemed like a decent person uh, he seemed genuine uh, and and uh, intelligent uh, and caring at the same time he really seemed like he cared about what he was doing now whether that's actually you know actual actually the case I can't tell you um, who knows right uh, as we say only God knows that so uh, but yes, he was assassinated by a guy who made his own shotgun. He was a former uh, Navy uh, sailor, a former sailor in the Navy with the Japanese Navy. And he made his own double barrel shotgun pistol and detonated it and was able to uh, strike the prime minister from... Uh, I want to say no more than three or four meters away. Uh, a, I think an instant, instantane, instantaneously fatal blow. I'm pretty sure he died right away. Um, we know that fragments of whatever was shot out of the gun went into the prime minister's heart, uh, and he. I don't believe he ever regained consciousness or uh, a heartbeat. Um, but as is the usual fashion, they took a while to, to actually declare him dead. Um, maybe until his wife could be rushed to the scene, which was, she was hours and hours away. She was in a different city, um, different part of the country. She was in Tokyo and he was in Nara, which is uh, Western Japan. Anyway, um, this happened this week and it was a bit of a shock to me. It kind of, kind of hit me hard, I guess. I don't know what hard is. I just know how I felt and it kind of uh, messed me up for about a day. I couldn't believe what had happened. And, and of course, uh, there's a video of the incident. There, there's video of this guy walking around and video of the, the uh, myriad of security failures to keep this, to keep people away from the former prime minister. He was making a speech uh, and he really had no protection whatsoever. I mean, he was in the middle of a, of a almost like a roundabout is what I would call it sort of thing where uh, cars could travel uh, at least on three sides of where he was freely. And they were. Cars were going really close to where he was. And he was, he was campaigning for, I think, some of his party members. He was... He was um, he was campaigning um, for his party. As far as I can tell, he was making a speech anyway. Uh, and it wasn't a huge crowd. Uh, it was mostly to the, the commuters in the morning. It happened in the morning. I want to say between 9 and 10, but I, I'm not sure exactly. We, we didn't get the news till maybe 11.30 or 12. 
But yes, that happened. I want to say that was last Thursday. It could have been last Friday. I, I can't remember now, but it's, you know, nothing, nothing has been on the news except this assassination. Um, of course, for me, this just accents our need um, to change the way that we think, uh, to change, to change the way that we think is appropriate. Uh, our appropriate means to um, resolving conflict, and of course, I'm talking about violence. So behind the uh, the motivation of this gunman. His, his motivation seems to have been that his mother was taken advantage of a very famous cult called the Moonies, mostly around the world, uh, a, a Korean cult that is, uh, was started by some Reverend Moon, I think it was na his name was, and who wield um, incredible power around the world, uh, including some influence with... Um, with politicians. Uh, Prime Minister Abe's father, uh, sorry, grandfather it appears, was influential in bringing the Mooney cult to Japan. Uh, and there are, there is some evidence that um, Abe may have taken some, uh, I, I, well, I don't know, he, he had some kind of relationship with the Moonies with this cult. Uh, pretty sure you're familiar with the Mooney cult, but if you're not, uh, I'll tell you what I know about them, which is very little. Uh, they, they pretty much um, control you once you're in. They, they seek to gain control over all of your decisions, from who you marry uh, to your finances as well. And one of the things they do is they try to get you to sign over your property and all that you own to to the church, to the cult. I hesitate to call it a church. It's not Christian, um, as far as I know. But a lot of these cults are kind of, you know, what do you call it? Corrupted versions of other religions, which all religions are corrupted versions of, the, of what they're supposed to be. Supposed to be, I guess. But anyway. Um, so apparently what happened was this this guy who was uh, 41 years old, his mother uh, became a member of the cult when he was a young boy and, and she lost everything to the cult. All of her money, all of her possessions. Uh, and he blames uh, the cult for that. And so he was looking for any target um, in the cult that he could, he could exact revenge on and Abe happened to be there. Abe happened to be available. Um, it seems to be have been a uh, nearly if not complete coincidence near if not complete coincidence that Abe was actually there uh, during that time.
So he took the opportunity of the uh, very poor security and he took Abe out. Um, he, he killed him in cold blood. Um, the only warning they had was the first missed shot and then the second shot met its mark and Abe is uh, no more upon the earth as we say. Uh, <clears throat> I should say former Prime Minister Abe. Uh, again, I didn't have anything I don't have anything bad to say about him. If he was involved with the cult, that may change, you know, change my mind. But, you know, the consensus is no matter what he did or who he was associated with, he did not deserve that treatment, right? He did not deserve what he got from that man. And I think that's, I think that's, you know, becoming common sense, though at one time, uh, perhaps people would have said, well, he got what he deserved. And I think there are probably some people out there who really hate the idea of religion and or cults. Uh, and perhaps, uh, even if not publicly, are thinking the same thing, that he got what he deserved. I'll leave that up, you know, to your own opinion. But I, but I would like you to examine your thoughts in that area, Right. Uh, if if you are one of the people who who do say that from time to time, well, that's karma. He got what he deserved. You know, especially when involving violence. Uh, consider that your very thoughts are perpetuating the very thing that you supposedly despise. That your very thoughts can be the thing that uh, are, are the, the fundamental problem um, when it comes to problem solving through violence. Uh, so we have to find a way to, th to change our thinking. Uh, Paul talks about this kind of thing. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? We need to renew our minds. We need to go in there and be aware of what we're thinking and what our thoughts are and what our actual actual beliefs are, uh, and then use our mind, the more logical part of our mind, the more compassionate part of our mind, to change our thoughts change our thought patterns okay I'm gonna just say this and I'm a little bit ashamed of it but this kind of this kind of uh, I think makes the point uh, succinctly last week uh, I met a, a friend a new friend a, a guy I've only met once before uh, we've chatted a few times on Facebook but uh, he was able to come to my house he's new in the neighborhood uh, a really interesting guy named uh, Adam. Adam brought his little dogs to our house. Uh, I have two bigger dogs. They're bigger than his dogs. His dogs are, I would call, medium medium to small dogs. My dogs are, uh, one's medium to large and one's uh, large, I guess, is basically what we call it. And one of my dogs is rather aggressive. The other one is just as 
friendly and docile as they come. But the, the younger one is aggressive. He's suspicious of new anything, new dogs, new people. And he gets a little bit um, uh, bitey, nippy, um, just really aggressive. So I was really trying to keep him on, on a leash in the presence of, of this guy and his dogs. And I didn't want to send the wrong impression. Well, at one point, it looked like my dog was going to get along with these other dogs. And the other dogs were just cute. They're little Boston Terriers and just couldn't be more adorable. Uh, but Rocky, who is the, the dog I'm talking about, he aggressively went after one of these dogs. And my reaction was to pop him on the head, was to just whack him on the head. It was just a, it was a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, it was a knee-jerk reaction for me to pop him on the head and try to get him under control. Uh, and it wasn't something that I thought about. It's not even something that uh, I think right now that I would agree with in principle, that, that I should smack a dog into obedience or into behavior. Um, but it was a knee-jerk reaction. It's not something that I controlled. It was the the tension of the moment, uh, but more than that, it was my programming. It's it's the way that uh, probably my parents dealt with dogs and maybe dealt with little kids, was just a, a quick smack uh, to get them back in line. Now, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted about the idea of corporal, uh, cor it's not even punishment, but corporal discipline for kids, which is basically, you know, spanking. Uh, I'm kind of conflicted about this. I, 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 I'm not sure that that spanking or corporal punishment is in and of itself bad. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. It, it's, it's a way that I'm trying to um, come to terms with both my programming and, and my belief that violence is not the way to solve problems in, in the world. Um, I'm certainly opposed to fatal violence uh, in all circumstances. I'm against the death penalty. I'm against war. Uh, I'm against uh, the youth, the use of lethal force to solve problems, for sure. But I do admit that there may may be a time that that I would condone somebody putting their self in harm's way and say tackling a person to the ground in order to save someone else pain. Uh, I think I think that's that's a little bit different. There's what, what's different and, and what's really important in the difference is the intention of the heart. Um, the kind of violence that I certainly do not condone is anger violence. Uh, violence where you are angry uh, at what someone else has done and so you lash out physically in one way or another. I am certainly opposed to that. I'm not opposed to the I wish there was a better way to say this. I'm not opposed to the incarceration of dangerous people for 
the protection of others uh, or for the protection of, of that person, right? Uh, I think I think that can be quite merciful uh, and and necessary in certain circumstances. Uh, and to incarcerate somebody will involve uh, physical something or another, right? It's going to entail, especially if somebody who doesn't want to go, you're going to have to wrap that person up some way. Uh, you're going to have to take away their ability to do violence. And taking away someone's ability to do violence, to me, is not violent. Um, it can become violent. Uh, it can become um, desperate, depending on the situation. Um, but it really depends on the intention of the heart, right? Why is the person doing what he's doing? Uh, and, and to me, intention is everything, right? Uh, in fact, I think there's a saying to that effect about intention is something, something percent of the law. Um, so, uh, it is rainy here, by the way. You're probably hearing the uh, wipers in the background. <coughs> I'm going to need to take just a small sip of water here. My throat is feeling a little scratchy. <sighs> Better. Yeah, so... <coughs> I'm not against the use of, of incarceration, and and I'm not sure about corporal punishment. And, and for animals, I think uh, at least we need to look a little bit more deeply. Of course, I'm against lashing out at children or animals or anyone out of anger. I'm completely against that. Uh, because anger leads to fear, and fear leads to suffering. Sorry, that was a bad Yoda impersonation. Uh, <laughs> I got it backwards, but anyway, it's my purposes. Uh, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking, I'm contemplating about the ideas of incarceration, about the ideas of corporal punishment. You know, a, a child uh, reaches for uh, something hot on the stove or reaches toward fire uh, the idea of slapping a hand to get their attention, um, I think, can be merciful. Uh, trying to save that child from worse pain by giving them a little pain. But, it, but again, the intention is what's really important, right? The intention, uh, and I would say the manner, the manner in which you correct but all, all of this stuff also depends on relationship, right? So corporal punishment on somebody with whom you have no relationship uh, is bad, right? It's, it's, it's um, ineffective. Uh, people who don't know you are not going to know your intentions. Therefore, uh, you can do pretty bad damage just by, you know, doing that. You know, imagine going up to somebody and just slapping them for uh, chewing too loudly in a restaurant. <laughs> right? 
like somebody who talks when they chew or uh, is, uh, you know, chewing with their mouth open is going and popping somebody you don't know. But if your mom, uh, you know, pops you on the head when you're doing it, you're like, oh, yeah, sorry, mom. Yeah, I got it. You know, there doesn't have to be fear connected with it. It's just, it's just the way that uh, parents and kids work, right? Uh, we give a little uh, physical reminder uh, so that we can correct our course, right? We need course correction from time to time. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm against that, right? Um, but again, you know, there's a difference between that and a cop pulling a gun on you at a traffic stop. Um, there, there's, there's, there are different stakes with mama's hand popping me on the head and, and a cop uh, pointing his, uh, you know, Glock at me. Uh, it's just different, right? It's totally different. Um, and also there's a, the way that police use uh, force uh, there's a humiliating effect that they're trying to uh, humiliate you and take away your dignity. That's what it feels like. Uh, they don't respect you in any way, shape, or form. There's no respect. Um, and, and that is, I would say, bad. Right off. That's just my feeling. The way, the, the demeanor of cops that, that say, you must comply 100% or else, right? That, that entire uh, modus operandi is not humane, uh, and it's uh, certainly not helpful in, in transforming people. It may or may not uh, get done what the cop wants uh, on the outside as far as uh, you know, physical compliance. Uh, but it does nothing, and in fact, it may do more damage than good uh, to actually change the heart of the person. And the heart really is where the game is, right? Uh, it really matters little to change someone's behavior if you can't have any effect on how they think. Uh, because all of their actions grow out of their thinking. All of our actions grow from our thinking. Uh, we think first and then we act. Um, and some of that doesn't seem like thinking because it's so instantaneous. It's called programming. But uh, to be programmed, you have to think at some point as well, right? Uh, I know I'm going off on kind of a weird tangent. Um, and I went from cults to uh, violence. But what I'm trying to get at is that as, as peaceful and peace-loving a country as Japan is, there is still an underlying idea with many people that violence is a legitimate way to solve problems. Now, Japan has come farther faster uh, than any country that I know of. Of course, I'm quite biased. I've lived here for some 27 years. Um, my perspective is obviously just that, my perspective. But there are some interesting um, statistics. One that I read this week was that uh, 
Japan since 1952, that's 70 years ago. For the past 70 years, Japan has had many uh, mass murder incidents, whether that was through arson, knife attacks, uh, there may have been a gun attack or two, uh, but mass murder incidents, and a mass murder is defined, I believe, by uh, where three or more people are killed. Two is a double homicide, three becomes a mass murder. There have been multiple mass murder incidents. Some of the biggest ones involved arson, where uh, uh, somebody uh, intentionally set fire to a building uh, and multiple people died. I think the, the biggest instance of that was a building where 44 people perished uh, in the last 70 years. And in the last 70 years, many people have died in Japan in mass murder incidents. Uh, and I would say very few of them were, were with guns. Now the number of people is, I don't remember the exact number, but it's between 200 and I think 220. 200 to 220 people in the last 70 years have died in mass murder incidents. Uh, one thing that's significant about the last 70 years is that uh, in 1952, that is when Japan again took control of the country and America uh, basically ended its occupation. So this is the history of modern, uh, the modern Japanese government since 1952. Um, before that, there was a time of American occupation uh, following the uh, World War II. So, in the last 70 years, 200 to 225 people have been killed in mass murders uh, in Japan. And I think most Japanese people would say, wow, that's a lot of people, right? Wow, that's a lot of people. Because for Japan, it is. And, and one murder, one gun murder violence is the kind of thing that will happen uh, and be on the news for days and days and days. It's been on the news I'd say many hours a day since the day it happened, which is uh, five, five or six days ago. It's, it's just been plastered on the news. One person got shot with a gun. Uh, now, it was a high-profile guy. It was a very important person in the country. Um, but this, this has, has started a, an avalanche of news coverage of side stories of investigations of outrage uh, they're investigating the Mooney cult as well now that's all over the news uh, this is a huge thing for Japan now in retros in, in not retrospect in comparison we have America America is more than twice the population of Japan. More than twice the population. And much larger geographically. Much more ethnically diverse. Uh, but, in many ways, they are similar countries, right? They're both uh, representative democracies or republics, you know, on some scale. Uh, they have close ties to one another. They are certainly allies. Um, but America, in comparison, 
has had uh, over 270 mass murders in the last three months. Chew on that for a minute. In the last three months in America, all using guns, by the way, there have been more than 270 people who have perished in mass murders. Again, a mass murder is defined by three or more people killed in one incident. 270. So, what Japan um, achieved in 70 years, America surpassed in three months. Okay. Hey Siri, three months is what percentage of 70 years? Here's what I found. Yeah, it's not going to do it. Uh, 70 years would be 70 times 12 in months. Uh, anyway, it, it, the, the percentage is, is staggering. Um, I can't even imagine. So basically uh three months that's three times four that's over a thousand a thousand deaths uh on average um per year in mass again mass murder incidences so yeah uh japan has figured out peace and America has not, and that much is evidence. And yes, you can argue that a lot of Amer uh, Japan's peace is uh, is because of uh, America's security, and you would be correct about that to some extent. I think Japan has become uh, a less militarized country because uh, they largely depend on America's mil military, and and I think I think the military. Is really the the god of violence that Americans worship. Uh, I think I think that's just self-evident. I think Americans worship um, the military and, and people who serve in the military. They, they worship war, uh, and and that's why they're you know you reap what you sow. That's that's what's going on there, at least on some level, in my opinion. So, anyway, um, I know it, it all comes back to Jesus for me. I guess in a sense I want to apologize for that, but, but I'm not going to. Um, if you come to a point where you believe that, that violence is not the way, the way to be in the world... Without meeting Jesus, I'm I'm all the more I'm 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 happy for you. Uh, I'm ecstatic because I, I still believe that's Jesus. You just don't call it Jesus. I think that spirit, uh, that that thing inside you that says no more, no more violence. This is not the way to be. Violence is not the answer. I believe that's the spirit of Christ in you, uh, whether you call it that or not. And I don't think he needs to. He he has any, you know. 
need to be given credit for that. I think I think that's the spirit that he has put in all of us that most of us suppress. Um, so no, I all the more power to you. But but if if you need a little extra push, and and I admit that I'm a person that needs a little extra push, uh, and and a nonviolent. <laughs> Let me put that out there. Uh, a a, a uh, uh, metaphorical push. Uh, if you need a little extra um, reading, uh, incentive, relationship, if you need someone to be with you to show you the way of nonviolence, uh, there are many people that I, that I could recommend, but none more highly than, than Jesus. Uh, and the wonderful thing is, uh, he's he's the same guy that that has made us that has made you he knows the stuff of which you're made uh, he he knows how to pull out of you the best version of yourself how to be truly human uh, how to be truly human in a sense is how to be truly divine as Jesus is uh, and and I think the great thing about Jesus as creator, uh, or the Christ as creator, is that he also, um, he is able to, to meet you from both sides, uh, both as creator and as friend and as companion. Uh, and there's no one that I could recommend more highly uh, for that job than Jesus. So, yeah. Well, I have come to my uh, school, and I'm gonna I'm gonna head off and do my job. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.